You look all sunshine and rainbows this morning. Oh, and I am like in such a good mood this morning. Good morning, everyone. What did Nate have for breakfast? The world wants to know. Look at you. You've been <laughs> um, like the, the first thing that happened is Reese actually slept. So um, oh. probably the first time in months that um, Reese slept all night long. So he didn't get up till 6.30 instead of 2 o'clock or 4 o'clock or whatever random time he decides as his three-year-old self. So I slept all night. So that's like a huge plus. And I've been up since, I don't know, six o'clock Eastern and it's a great day. So good morning, everybody. That's great. Well, (laughs) I have had like a crazy day, like back to back things going wrong this morning. Right. (laughs) And so anyways, I get here and like Nate is all like bright eyed and bushy tailed. You look like you just came off the beaches of Hawaii. And I did not even have time to adjust my ghost white face. And so anyways, Lauren's going to be jealous of Nate all show. Oh, boy. Oh, that's fun. Well, we're going to have a great time. So whatever has happened so far this morning, it's going to be a great show. I know. No, it is. It is. I I thought I'd I'd share with everybody how crazy it was right before the show. But we're here. We made it. Even my internet went out, but I'm here. So anyways, very exciting. Uh, Nate, we just got back from the Washington, D.C. March for Life, the National March for Life. How was that for you? It was incredible. It It was another incredible time. I do love being in D.C. for all things um, that we get to do pro-life related. And it was a great, great week, um, great few days there. Lots of great stuff. The March for Life Expo, the March for Life, the Law of Life Summit, Pro-Life Summit with Students for Life of America. And I even had um, a meeting at Senator Josh Hawley's office, which was really great. So um, the Rose Dinner and the Vans for Life Dinner. I mean, man, we did it all. It was great. We actually had a beautiful marching sign this year. Our 2024 marching sign was Love is Ending Abortion. I was also live on EWTN with Teresa Tomio on Friday morning outside of the March stage. So that was really fun. It was very cold. It was very wintry and snowy. And Florida boy here was cold, but I had bought all brand new winter weather clothes. So I actually didn't get too cold while I was out there, but I don't, I don't like the frigid temperatures as you guys know very well. You're a Florida guy. Yeah. Well, you made it. Yeah. I had a family emergency, so I actually had to cancel my trip. Thankfully, everything is fine with this family member now, Uh, but I did get Seriously, through Nate and Melissa, Elizabeth, and Megan, who went representing us. So very grateful. We had a great time. Um, We also had a presence at One Life LA in Southern California as well. And I know many of you made local and state marches. So good for you. You know, the big question in the Dobbs era has been, are we going to continue to do this? Are we going to continue to mark the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court decision that imposed abortion on demand? on all 50 states for 49 years. And our quick answer to that and the answer of the National March for Life is yes. We're gonna continue to mark that day and remember those who have lost their lives to abortion and been affected by abortion and also mark it as a day of celebration. And the exciting thing is that we're joining forces with Students for Life of America, 40 Days for Life, Pro Love Ministries, and then there were none, for the annual Celebrate Life Weekend at the end of June. So you got to go online and Google Celebrate Life Weekend, Celebrate Life Conference. We're actually partnering with uh, Abby Johnson's organizations to put on the conference itself and also helping with the rally and the gala that we will be part of that weekend. So the pro-life movement is doing both. We're marking the anniversary of Roe, and then we're also participating in the Dobbs events and even hosting them, which is really exciting. So you have to come hang out with us this June in D.C. If you didn't get a chance to be with us in 
DC uh, here in January. We'll be back in June. Very exciting. So you can actually go to celebrateLifeConference.com and you can go ahead and and get your tickets now. Tickets are open. So don't delay. Get those for the June 21st through 23rd weekend in DC. Awesome. Thank you, Nate. Great. All right. Well, I I think it's about time to get rolling. What do you say? We got an action-packed show. Really exciting uh, interview. I mean, we've got it all here, folks, right? So uh, how about we say this more formally? Welcome, welcome to another edition of Wake Up to Life with Lauren and Nate, your favorite pro-life morning show. Once again, I'm Lauren Muzika, President and CEO of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. And I'm Nate Robertson, Vice President of Sidewalk Advocates for Life. And what a great joy it is to join you today and each and every Friday as we talk about what's going on in the pro-life world, how we can continue to change hearts and minds on this most important issue of our times, the cause of life. That's right. Prayer news stories, a special interview, tips, more prayer. It is all right here, folks. Just as a reminder, the show is available on Facebook Live every Friday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central, as well as YouTube, and now wherever you get podcasts. Before we go any further, let's kick off with a word of prayer. Nate, you want to lead us? Sounds good. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to join together again this Friday morning. Thank you for all that you are doing in our lives individually, in our families, and those who are around us, and in um, the greater community around us, and in the pro-life, pro-love movement. God, I pray that you would continue to move in our lives, in our hearts, and continue to guide us into all things that you've called us to. We're so grateful um, to know of all of the incredible, miraculous stories of, of men and women who've had heart changes regarding the issue of abortion. And we just thank you for those miracles and and continue to pray that we would continue to see more of those. God, I pray that you would bless us, protect us, keep all of those um, individuals safe who are doing sidewalk advocacy and any pregnancy help today and throughout this weekend. Thank you for this incredible show and for our guests today. We pray that you'd continue to bless everything that we do. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nate. All right. Here is your pro-life headline. Now, I've been told I'm having a little bit of technology issues this morning. Hopefully, we'll make it through this. If not, Nate, feel free to pick pick up wherever I've left off. The headline is, fact, Dobbs has saved tens of thousands of babies from abortion. So this past weekend, the New York Times ran a guest essay by historian Daniel K. Williams entitled, Dobbs Did Did Not Reduce Abortions. The Anti-Abortion Movement Needs a New Vision. So in that, Williams claims that the state-level pro-life laws that have been enacted since the June 2022 Dobbs decision have been unable to reduce the U.S. abortion rate. However, there are legitimate methodological, (laughs) I can't say that word this morning, you get it, concerns with the we count abortion estimates. So concerns aside regarding these statistics, a growing body of state-level birth data provides powerful statistical evidence that recently enacted pro-life laws have saved thousands of lives. Dr. Michael News Charlotte Lozier Institute announced November 2022 and an article in the Journal of the American Medical Association in June 2023 both found that the Texas Heartbeat Act saved over 1,000 lives every month. Also, in an analysis from November 2023, the Institute of Labor Economics compared birth rate data with 24 states where abortion remained legal with 14 states that passed strong pro-life laws after Dobbs. Overall, so here's the bottom line. Overall, it found that pro-life laws enacted after the Dobbs decision have saved over 32,000 lives. 
So this is great news. Um, we're finally starting to get back some information that lets us know how the monumental Supreme Court decision in June of 2022, Dobbs v. Jackson, has had an effect on the country. Um, this was the big question is, you know, once Dobbs was handed down and state law followed suit, states were permitted to protect life at its earliest moments to restrict abortion at any point. Um, if and when they did so, what would that actually look like? How, how would that actually save lives, right? And so anyways, uh, we're actually going to talk about this a little bit more with our special guest today as well. Um, she's going to chime in on this. But uh, this is really, really interesting. Dr. Michael New is a statistician, a political science professor at Catholic University of America, really well known in our circles, one of our colleagues. And so he took a look at all of this. First of all, notice some big errors with historic Williams data and the article. Um, but he went ahead himself and looked at the growing body of state level birth data, right? and compared numbers and found actually that we're looking at tens of thousands of lives that have been spared. At least th this is his analysis. This is one analysis. Very interesting. So at the very least, um, we're optimistic, we're hopeful, right, that this has really had a huge effect. Of course, we know in the, the Dobbs era that women are working to get across state lines. Actually, the abortion industry is working to funnel them across state lines. The abortion industry is working to get mail-order abortion-causing drugs in the hands of innocent and vulnerable women and um, killing uh, innocent children. So we know that that's happening. We know it's happening in droves. And it's going to be really interesting to see how the numbers continue to play out from year to year. But at the very least, uh, a lot of our colleagues that have looked at this, including Dr. New, have said, you know, the abortion to pretend that this has all been a wash, but at least they're seeing some positive indication here of lives saved. Um, and we know for a fact from other state data that uh, pro-life laws save lives. So Nate, I want to get your thoughts this morning on Dr. News analysis. Seems like it's good news. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think it's so important that we continue to see data and not just hear people's opinions about what Dobbs did or didn't do. And yeah. so it's great that we now are beginning to see that there is more data coming out, right? Data is usually delayed a couple of years anyway. And so beginning to look at this data is really important. You know, I think that one thing we have to continue to remember and reference back to is that the overturning of Roe versus Wade was one step in a long list of steps to, to see America become abortion free or where abortion is unthinkable in America. And so we needed, we needed Roe versus Wade to be overturned. We needed the Dobbs decision desperately, but it wasn't the end. And I think that it's something that so, is so important for people to continue to be reminded that Roe being overturned, the Dobbs decision being issued is not the end. It is just the beginning of the next phase as we continue to work to change hearts and minds. And many times changing laws is helpful in changing minds, but we must know that changing hearts and minds is the most important step that we can all do and that we can do in our local communities today that begins to end abortion and turn the tide. But you know, it's interesting that we're talking about this again today. I actually was reading the Dobbs decision again last night. I know a little crazy, but that's just kind of who mm. I am. And you know, I think that it's so important that we do remember exactly what 
the Dobbs decision said, that is so incredible, that it says the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey are overruled. And the authority to regulate abortion is returned to the people and their elected representatives. You know, that's where we are. We're in this new era. And it's time to continue to move forward, to look at the data, to see that the birth rates are increasing, to see that we have seen at least 32,000 babies saved since Dobbs, and that the fight is not over, that we continue to work each and every day to see lives changed, hearts changed, and um, babies protected. Thanks. Yeah, wonderful. All right. We'll continue all We'll continue to keep y'all posted as the information comes out. So stay tuned to the morning show. All right. With that, it is time. It is time for the victory story. And Nate has the victory story this week. So what you got for us, Nate? Yeah, I just love it. You know, I love all of our victory stories, but I really love when we get more and more stories from states where abortion is completely unrestricted. Because again, it proves the it proves the reality that lives can be changed, babies can be saved in the states that have the most extreme pro-abortion laws um, every day when people of faith and conscience say yes and go to the sidewalk. So this story today comes out of New Jersey, incredible story where just um, I believe it was just a last month. Another baby was born through the efforts of those on the sidewalk, our sidewalk advocates there. Um, This baby had been saved last September when the mother showed up seeking an abortion and our sidewalk advocates, well-trained, well-positioned, were there to be able to intercept her and speak with her and talk with her about the reality of, um, of her situation and how they could help. You know, the interesting situation that was happening with this family was that this was baby number six. And many times we see that families who have a lot of children sometimes begin to contemplate whether abortion is maybe an option for them. A really sad thing to consider that that there are families in our in our in our culture today that as they have more and more children, they contemplate whether abortion could be something that they would consider. And this this family, this you know, young lady showed up pregnant with baby number six because she she didn't know what to do. They had recently been evicted from their home. They were dealing with lots of life circumstances that were glaring them in the face, right? Really big obstacles that were in front of them. Housing is a is a big important need. And they were struggling with housing. And so they found themselves in an abortion facility. But due to the efforts of our sidewalk advocates and to the the pro-life community and the church community that rallied around this family through lots of prayer and community involvement and with the efforts of our sidewalk advocates, they were able to see this baby's life saved and this family resourced with physical needs that they desperately needed. And now this family has been able to celebrate together with the pro-life community as this baby has been born And the community continues to rally around the father and the mother and all of these children as they continue to move forward. This victory story, again, highlights the reality that we are not just about babies being born, but the true pro-life, pro-love movement is a movement that is cradling families and situations and helping to propel people forward however we can help, whatever the needs are. 
that we would continue to be a people who help to bust obstacles to pregnancy and parenting and continue to see life protected, women empowered. And so another incredible story out of New Jersey today. Um, Lauren, back to you. Awesome. Love it, love it, love it. Thanks be to God. Never gets old, right? Here we are getting ready to mark 22,000 babies saved and mothers served and it never gets old. Yes, powerful victory story. Thanks, Nate. All right, well, I've got the tip for the week and I'm actually gonna give a little bit of a prelude to showing a video. <laughs> You're gonna get a tip in part by video. So I was out on the sidewalk a couple Fridays ago in front of the busiest abortion facility in the state of Ohio. This is in Cleveland, Ohio, with our local leader, Andy, as well as Melissa from our national team. And we were out there with a good part of the community. We had several sidewalk advocates out there, other people from the community, the mobile ultrasound unit down the street with ICU Mobile, which is awesome. I mean, what a great team for life out on the sidewalk. And the escorts, the abortion facility escorts, these volunteers that are trained by the abortion industry, industry to distract people as they're coming in for an abortion so that they won't talk to the sidewalk advocates. I mean, these folks um, can be a little bit of a thorn in your side, right? They love to kind of jump into situations and interrupt you and sometimes take your materials, which yes, person or property is threatened. We always recommend calling the police. But the point is they're there to try to distract you from your mission and also really in effect prevent her from getting hope, help, options, and resources. So anyways, these folks usually stand outside the abortion facility and they're, it's a kind of a craft smock looking designation. It'll say, you know, pro-abortion or, you know, pro-choice escort or something like that. And um, one of the tactics that they use is blasting like ugly music, right? Some of them blast satanic music outside of abortion facilities. Some of them blast what I call booty music, meaning if you go to the club, the club, right? Like you will hear, you will hear the music, the interesting music, right? They play interesting music. <laughs> and a lot of times they're hoping to get a rise out of you. They're hoping to get a reaction. They're hoping that pro-lifers will go out there and go, oh, I'm so offended, you know, and take their focus off of serving warning. And, you know, some of this music's got a beat, right? And so anyways, I was out on the sidewalk, um, uh, a couple Fridays ago at this abortion facility. And I thought, you know what? I, I I need to go out on my way to show these escorts they're not getting to us. So what I decided to do while I was waiting at the driveway to intercept a car and give them options and resources and a connection to our, our mobile ultrasound unit and the pregnancy resource center, I thought if you can't beat them, join them, right? So I went ahead and decided to kind of lighten the atmosphere for a second and just started to dance. So we have that been <laughs> <laughs> Kim and Lauren. I love it. DFW in the CLE. There I am in my seven layers, right? And the mom in the background, Kim, she had actually come out to share her testimony with us about choosing life at that abortion facility. So it was so ironic that this mom who had chosen life, you know, decided that she was going to kind of you know, start moving. And I decided to join her and we decided to show the escorts collectively that they weren't getting to us. Now it's funny because it almost seems like a contradiction from what I typically teach in the training, which is, Hey, we're going to the, to the foot of the cross. When we go to abortion facilities, we want to, you know, have the joy of Christ, but also have people see us taking it seriously and really focusing on the women and how we can help them and everything. 
but sometimes you got to have a human moment and just chill for a second and you know, show people that they're not getting to you. And I think that that's the biggest thing with abortion facility escorts is they want to get a rise out of you. They want to see that they're distracting you from your mission. They, they want to see that they're making some sort of progress. They want to be that thorn in your side visibly. And that's unfortunate because a lot of these folks, again, have, you know, usually an abortion in their past and they're struggling and um, they don't know what else to do, right? It's like they need to be there in order to, to, to really... Um, uh, for lack of a better word, justify maybe what has gone on. And um, so they're, they're helping people get their abortions. And we can be love to them. We can be Christ to them. We can be human to them. We can have a light moment. And then we can get back to focusing on our mission. So if you have difficult escorts and you have bad music, you know what? Just have a moment and dance. That's my advice. So there you go, Nate. I absolutely love it. You know, and, and one thing that comes to mind is you cannot make these stories up, folks. I mean, like this is really what happens on the sidewalk of America's abortion facilities. How incredible it is to just have that moment, right? Just to kind of back up, maybe lighten the day, like just have a moment out there yeah. that reminds everybody that we're all human, that we're all just out here and that we can connect on all kinds of levels. And what an amazing opportunity that in that same moment, a mom who had chose life at that very facility was out there sharing her testimony with the sidewalk advocates. Incredible. Yeah, she came came straight over to us and then all of a sudden just started to like, I guess, what do they say? Bust a move, right? She just started started to move. And I was like, right on, sister, let me join you for a second. So anyways, it is a good, a good thought that we can just kind of chill for a second and sure, stay focused on your mission, but you can be human. It's okay to be human for a moment. Yeah. Great. All right. Thank you, Nate. And we are now moving on to our very special interview. We've had her on before. We've had her on since huge rebrand, since this huge announcement of this, uh, really new venture. I mean, it, it, it used to be reprotection. We are so excited this morning to have back on with us the president and CEO of Center for Client Safety. It is Missy Martinez Stone. She here? There she is. Good morning. Hi. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I, I don't know if I've been on. Have I been on since the rebrand? I I might have been. I know. Maybe. We, we, yeah, I don't know. know. I, we talk about you all the time. I talk about the Center for Crazy yeah. all the time. So I can't remember if we've talked it's on fine. this show since Reprotection became the Center for Client Safety. But yeah. regardless, we're so glad that you're here. It was so great to see you. Yeah, um, so good to weekend, see you too. Yeah. Uh, while we were in DC together. So, you know, I think Lauren's first question, I think, is going to be like, tell us more about what's going on. Nate, Nate said it. On? You Center for Client Safety. What is up? This new rebrand. It's it's exciting. There's a lot of exciting stuff going on. So just jump right into it, Missy. Yeah. I mean, if you've been around Sidewalk Advocates for Life for two minutes, um, like Nate said, you've probably heard him or Lauren talk about reprotection. Um, we've been incredible partners with this organization really since our beginnings. I mean, I, I I'll get ahead to Lauren. You were one of the first people on the national level to really catch the vision for what we were looking to do. And um, a small group of us back in, I guess it really started in 2018, testing in 2019, identified this gap in the pro-life movement between the laws that were on the books in, in states, even in what we would consider really pro-life states, 
and then the actual enforcement of those laws on abortion facilities. And so in Indiana, you know, they were getting A pluses from AUL, SBA, Pro-Life America, you know, all those policy groups saying, great job, you know, Right to Life saying, great job, you have passed all this amazing um, life protecting, life affirming rules. But then if you, when you talk to the sidewalk counselors specifically um, in Indiana, they said, well, that's great and all, but this facility hasn't been inspected in years. And we have documentation of, you know, page, you know, 16, 17, 30 pages of violations that are not being followed up with, uh, you know, by the health department, by the medical board and, and things like that. And so it started a conversation about how effective are these rules? And we're not just talking about like what we would consider pro-life legislation. We're talking about basic medical standards um, that every practitioner has to follow. And, uh, you know, th that gap of accountability because these these agencies are just so reluctant to regulate abortion. And, and rightfully so, because the, the abortion industry pitches such a fit anytime they have to follow any kind of rule. And so reprotection was started to fill that gap to figure out how do we identify ways that abortion abortion facilities are breaking rules uh putting women and children in harm's way you know practicing in unethical and ne negligent ways um and then how do we get that information to the authorities in a way that um encourages action um in a way that makes them want to do their jobs, makes them want to work with us. Um, and, you know, because in the past, people have used things like media or they've gone in in a more defensive manner. But we said, that's not really working. That doesn't make the agencies want to want to step in and enforce. And so we really looked at that gap and said, what is the what is the best, most strategic, most effective way to bridge this what the sidewalk advocates and the pregnancy centers are seeing on the ground and and how do we get those rules enforced and, and hold the abortion facility accountable. So um, we spent three years really honing our strategy and what works and what doesn't work and and changing and adapting and figuring, letting the pro-life movement tell us what they need, letting you guys tell us like what you need. Um, and it's just grown into this amazing uh, organization. And we rebranded in October to the Center for Client Safety because we felt like it better served the movement. Um, reprotection, when when we originally picked it, the idea was to be kind of covert and ambiguous. We, we didn't want to let the abortion industry know what we were doing. We we're like, oh, we're not going to, you know, we're going to surprise them. Um, but it was almost too good at its job at being covert and ambiguous and confusing that it was confusing even the people we were trying to partner with. <laughs> So um, we changed our name to the Center for Client Safety so that we could better serve the sidewalk advocates, could better serve, uh, you know, the pregnancy centers and even the women and the victims themselves. And um, yeah, it's it's been a wild ride, uh, but it's been amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, it's so incredible, all the things that you guys have been able to do and just how we've been able to partner together. And, you know, as you were talking about, those on the ground are really critical in like helping to yeah. see what is going on, not yeah. just from like legislation, but what is really happening on the ground. So, um, you know, as sidewalk advocates and people of you know faith and conscience are outside of abortion facilities and maybe hearing things in their community, 
what are the kind of things that you all need to know? What is the information mm -hmm. that you want? And maybe what is the information that you don't want? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. I will say, I'll answer your question, but I'll preface it with this. One of the things, you know, because when we started, nobody was doing what we were doing specifically. And it was very much trial and error because I was, I'm not interested in coming up with a strategy even if it's even if it sounds like a good idea, if it doesn't work right, like I'm only interested in results driven, uh, you know, uh, things that we can measure, things that we can say, like, we know this works. And early on, we identified. If we want to shut down an abortion facility. Our our chances of success are so much higher if there's sidewalk advocates there that have been trained by your organization. And if when it's full, when when they are fully resourced fully engaged and out there every moment of every day that that facility is opened. We have more success when you guys are at your best. And so we started that that became a pillar in looking for facilities that we would consider vulnerable or, or locations that we thought, OK, we have a higher chance of being able to shut this place down if sidewalk advocates are there. Right. Um, and why, you know, we we have develop this amazing partnership because, you know, we need you guys. Um, our success is contingent on your success. Uh, and so I say that to say what you guys are doing is so important and we are just, you know, a piece to it. Um, we are just kind of an addendum to say like, hey, you guys do what you do. You do it well. Um, be the best dialogue advocates you can be. But while you're out there, while you're out there, um, you're going to see some crazy things. And you're going to talk to women coming out of that facility with wild stories. And so the 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 baseline is if it sounds wrong, it probably was. You know, like like we have we have like a baseline moral compass <laughs> that the abortion facility is missing. Um, and so we kind of say, like, if it sounds wrong, it probably was. Uh, but most of our cases, like we're not dealing, we're not doing medical malpractice. We're not suing anybody. You know, we're, we are looking for pretty standard, uh, medical negligence, um, patient privacy violations, um, you know, the, the ethics of, of medical practitioners, you know, what, what an average doctor or practitioner should be doing. That's the kind of things that we're looking at. So, um, you know, how were they treated? Were they fully informed? Were they treated privately? You know, a big thing we're hearing is women are being put into rooms together um, and treated in group settings, which is unethical on so many levels. And you wouldn't have to tell a, a, a general family practice physician not to treat people in a group setting because that's just right. a given. Um, but the abortion industry, you know, doesn't see it that way. It's about getting women in and getting women out as fast as possible so they can put dollars in their pockets. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's anything that the woman did not feel seen or heard or treated fairly. Um, a big thing now that we're hearing is the lack of follow up after, uh, especially after a surgical. They're not doing post-op visits, which is wild to me. Um, you know, women are going back to these facilities and saying, like, I'm worried I'm still bleeding. I'm still having these complications and they're being turned away. Um, 
And so, I mean, really it's, it's anything that sounds weird. It probably is. Um, and you know, uh, but really it's like, did, did she feel, did she feel, um, taken advantage of? Did she feel safe? Did she feel, um, heard, you know, all those things. Cause that's going to, that's going to give us an indication to, to a bigger problem. You know, if she felt unsafe, okay, well, what, you know, what was going on? If she didn't feel heard, she was probably advocating for herself and, and asking for certain things and, and they weren't complying like that. And, you know, that would lead to a bigger conversation about consent. And so um, it's hard to just give you a list because every situation is so different, but the, but the general rule is if you see something, say something. Um, and, and we can identify, you know, if a violation occurred. Now, what is not helpful? Um, what is not helpful is uh, that an ambulance showed up. And I know that that sounds like it's really helpful and it sounds like a really big deal. Um, but it's not, unfortunately, because we don't know anything about that case. Even if we got 911 records, it's really hard to identify um, what happened. And especially like taking pictures of an ambulance when it shows up, like we just strongly discourage that because we find it pretty invasive for the woman that's being, you know, aided. The last thing she wants to do is look out and see somebody with their phone um, taking pictures of her, filming her while she's being put into an ambulance. Um, you know, just keep documentation. You can write, write down the date or time, but if it's only once every once in a while, um, like we, we need more information than just an ambulance showed up, you know? And I think that's, that's a thing that's not helpful is like really, really vague third, secondhand, thirdhand information. We can't do anything with that. So like an ambulance, like, okay. But what do you know? Like, did you talk to the patient? Do you know the practitioner that was involved? Like, it has to be a more complete story than there was an ambulance, you know? So we have a tram, which plug, we have a training. Um, it's free to the sidewalk advocates. Um, you can reach out to us. We'll give you the link. It's, it's specifically catered towards pregnancy centers, but a lot of it is applicable to you guys. And it's on my list in the next month or two to, to record a sidewalk advocates version for you guys. Um, but it's really like, we just need complete stories, as much information as possible in our, our training, our client safety advocates training helps, you know, train you to do that. The phrase that comes to mind when you talk about what to look for is where there's smoke, there's fire. Like that's just what comes to mind. Abortion right. facilities, as I've heard you say, because they're in the business of killing children and hurting women, they're often not on the up and up when it comes to the law. And so right. it's amazing to me how many violations you indeed have found and follow up, yeah. ha have followed up with because of sidewalk advocates. And so mm -hmm. while we as sidewalk advocates may not be experts in the law, we right. are human with a gut <laughs> check. Right. right? And, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You've got that moral compass and you just go. That's right. Huh. Something's not right. That right? sounds weird. Yeah. Okay. That's it weird. probably was. Yeah. yeah. I guess a good, a good measuring stick would be like, would my family practitioner do that? <laughs> right. When I stand, I mean, one abortion facility in Houston, I remember it was littered. The grounds were littered with medical paraphernalia, you know, like, I mean, I, you wouldn't believe the, the, 
H-E double hockey stick hole that that place was right before yeah. Roe was overturned. And you wouldn't believe all the things that we saw. I mean, even Pensacola, Florida, an abortion facility that you guys just helped shut down uh, with the help of sidewalk advocates and God's grace. I mean, they were sending women home with unmarked prescription bottles, I, right? Who does wild. that? Yeah. Wild. Really sick, wild stuff. Yeah. You know, three women yeah. almost died, blood out in the parking lot, you know, things like this, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, you see something, say something. Well, um, Missy, we're starting to run out of time, but I do want to ask you real quick about the, uh, it was the, the uh, study that we brought up with yeah. uh, historian Williams and um, then Dr. Michael News replied to that. And the idea that uh, lives have been saved in the Dobbs era. I'd love to get your thoughts quick thought on that. And then why don't you wrap us up with where is uh, center for client safety going? Uh, what is your vision and yeah. how can people join you? Yeah, it's a good, this is a good way to lead into that because when that study came out, it was a, the department, it was a, I was the IZA department of economics, I think put out this study, um, uh, the impact of Dobbs on fertility. Right. And so this is a pro-abortion group. This is just, a, you know, they're, they're studying economics um, and, and the impact of fertility on the world and, and the way that it works. And it came out in November of last year and the New York Times did, you know, covered it early December. And I remember, you know, I was listening to the daily, I listened to their podcast every day and they did a story on it. And I was like, why is no one talking about this? I mean, I was shocked because I just didn't see um, a lot of the other pro-life organizations talking about this huge study that just dropped um, that had good news and bad news. So the mm. good news side of it was they say in that study that abortion bans work. Yeah. I mean, they admit they say if a woman lives in a state with no abortion, the chances of her carrying her pregnancy to term goes up 25 percent. And then that's when they wow. calculated 32,000, 32 to 35,000. I can't remember the number exactly. Babies were alive because of abortion bans. And I'm, I was listening to the podcast and the New York Times reporter says verbatim, abortion bans work. Wow. And we, you know, and I said, give every, you know, round of applause. Like <laughs> they work. But there was a caveat to that, hmm. that the national abortion rate has gone up. Hmm. Right. So it's it's geographically moved, right? So in states where abortion is banned or you're severely, you know, limited, you know, obviously drastically plummeted, but in states where it is accessible, it's risen. And hmm. so it's kind of created these pockets, these destinations, which you and I have talked about all the time. Yeah. Of and you have to consider too, like COVID. The last couple of years of abortion data we have was during COVID and, you know, abortion rates are probably lower because of that. You know, there, there was a lot of there's a lot of different data and, and, and things that are impacting these studies. But um, the the takeaway was the end of Roe was not the end of abortion. And we still very much have a national problem of the abortion rates going up. Now, what does that mean for us? It means that because the where these women are going are to states that have no oversight of abortion facilities. Right. So states like Illinois, California, uh, New York, these places do not regulate their abortion facilities in any way. So 
the least regulated, the dirtiest, the most dangerous facilities are busier than ever. Golly, that is disgusting. And that is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And so yeah. we are really strategically looking at these locations because people would say like, oh, we're in Illinois. They don't regulate abortion. Well, they regulate everything else. And these abortion facilities are so entitled. They think that they, no rules apply to them, that it's not just about breaking abortion code. They're breaking every, again, just basic medical standards. I mean, we're dealing with a case in Illinois that is so horrific. I, I can't tell you the details about it because it's an ongoing case, but it is so horrific. It was the first time in three years that I had to take a step back and like recover from the interview with the person I was talking to. I'm, oh. I'm not easily shaken. I am, I've, I've become like a stone wall about these things because I've had to be. And it was the first time, this was a doctor and he said, I wanted to throw up. Wow. And he's been practicing medicine for 30 years. And so like we can still hold these abortion facilities accountable in these states based on just basic medical health and safety rules. Wow. And so we are really looking at strategically where to put our time and our, our limited time and our limited effort of, of ensuring that these really dangerous facilities that are now busier than ever are not going to continue to, to harm women and children. So, yeah. um, it's it was right. a it was a a really interesting study and, and again if you haven't read it please it you know it's it's pretty Check easy to out. find but it's yeah. a fascinating it's fascinating because it's it's raw data that's what I want yeah. I want data I want to see I want to see numbers numbers yeah abortion bans work hallelujah yeah it great Should inform us right but. We still have a lot of work to do and we need to yeah. be strategically looking at these locations where women are pouring in over across state lines. How are they getting yeah. there? Who's taking them there? You know, are abusers exploiting that system of no parental <clears throat> consent or notification in Illinois? You know, there's just right. so many things, so many ways um, that women can be harmed during this process. And yeah. um, that's what that's what we are looking at. Well, Missy, thank you for everything that you're doing. It is so exciting. You really are filling a need. I don't know anybody else that's, especially the way that you're doing it. So yeah. uh, website is, say that one more time for us. Center, centerforclientsafety.org. And we have okay. a reporting form on there. It is a little bit long, but it's really important that if you're filling that out, there's a reason we're asking these questions. So if you have something to report, you can either do report at centerforclientsafety.org or you can go right to our website. There's a big report button at the top and you can fill out that form. It goes directly to our direct, our vice president of investigations and she'll be in touch and decide like, is this something that we need to move forward with and investigate and report to the authorities? So yeah, you can see it right there next to the donate button. You can also donate, uh, you know, shameless plug. You can also donate. We need support. We need to grow. We just hired our second um, investigator. We've been doing this with one investigator. We've shut down two abortion facilities. We stopped two from wow. opening. Uh, we've had uh, two physicians stop practicing two abortions stop practicing with one investigator. Now we have two. Um, and uh, we want mm. we want to continue growing and, and really uh, meeting the need and filling this gap in the movement. 
Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Missy. You can't hear it, but everyone is applauding you in the back. I love you. We appreciate you. Um, Yes, we are so excited to work so closely with you. So if you're a sidewalk advocate, make use of this resource. It is free to you and you might help shut down an abortion facility, which is awesome. (laughs) Oh my goodness. All right. Well, thank you for being with us. We will have you on the show again. Have a great day, Missy. Thanks, Missy. Bye-bye. All right. Always great. Always great to have Missy with us. Um, always great to just talk about the real impacts of the Dobbs mm-hmm. decision and what the work is we still have to do. So yeah, it's great. Well, I think it's time for a devotional and prayer as we round out the show today. Um, so I'm going to take us back to Psalm um, 1. And I may have done this before, but I really like Psalm 1. So Psalm 1, 1 through 6 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that it does, he prospers. It goes on to talk about, you know, the flip side of that, what happens to the wicked. But I just wanted to talk to you for just a moment about staying the course, right? Continuing to move forward. That's what we have to do in this movement. That's what we have to do as we continue to provide resources to men and women in need, as we continue to work to change hearts and minds on this most important issue that surrounds us each and every day, that we would stay the course, that we would continue to do what God has called us to do. And so today I encourage you to meditate on Psalm 1 as we really think about what it means to be those who are planted, be those who take the the word of God seriously, those who really work to do the work that he's called us to, that we would be planted like a tree, that we would be, you know, nourished by by God and by the Holy Spirit and and by his word and, and by spending time with him, and that he would propel us to continue to do what we've been called to do. And that as we continue to stand, as we continue to be planted and rooted in in the gospel in in the word of god that as we continue to be planted and rooted that our fruit will continue to grow and we will prosper in the things that we put our hands to so today again i just encourage you to take some time meditate on psalm one um, maybe read another psalm or two if you have time spend some time praying as we continue to move forward in doing the work that we've all been called to and honestly, the greatest human rights battle that the world has ever seen. So march on, continue forward, continue to stay planted. And with that, let's pray as we close out the show. Dillard, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your word that um, encourages us to stay the course so many times, not just here in Psalm 1. Thank you for teaching us about how we can be planted and rooted and how we can grow and how we can continue to see victory when we trust in you. Help us to continue to keep our eyes on you and turn our face towards you and not get you know, bogged down by the ways of the world or the challenges around us. God, we just pray that you continue to lead us as we continue to do what you've called us to do. God, we're so grateful for the Center for Client Safety and all that Missy Martinez Stone and her team are doing to hold bad actors accountable, to hold those accountable who are causing harm to women. 
And God, we pray that you continue to bless their efforts. We pray that you would continue to bless the efforts of sidewalk advocates today and throughout this weekend who are on the sidewalk of abortion and abortion referral facilities. That you would bless all of those in pregnancy help organizations across America as they are working to resource women in need. We thank you for the miracles. We continue to expect to see more. We expect to see victories all around us. And I just pray that you would help us to see that expectant hope of victory, even in the challenging times. We'll continue to give you the glory, the honor, and the praise that's due your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nate. Great show. Love having Missy on. Very exciting. Uh, We want to invite you to tune in next week for another edition of Wake Up to Life with Lauren and Nate, 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central on Facebook Live, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Have a great week, everybody. Have a great week. Bye, everybody. (laughs)